This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero e rangi e tereo e rangi onetangata o Manawatu. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. It is a Thursday morning. That means we turn our attention to local government. This week it is the turn of Manawatu District Council, and on the phone we have Mayor of Manawatu, Helen Warboys. Good morning to you. Good morning, and yeah, great to talk again. Indeed. Um, the news uh, I noticed, well, I think everyone noticed over the weekend, uh, the torrential rain we seem to have for most of the weekend, and I noticed that uh, uh, the uh, floodgates were, were, were getting ready to open. Did they, did they open eventually? No, they did. Fortunately, we didn't need to do that. But yes, the, the team was all onto it and ready to close the spillway if we had needed to do that, uh, which is great. Uh, We didn't need to, fortunately, but um, there was some surface flooding and, of course, those strong winds that we had. There's quite a bit of debris around the roads, around the district, but uh, we fared better than the west coast and, of course, Taranaki. But, of course, this is not the first time this summer that this uh, the, the danger of, of flooding and the elements has, has come to fruition for, for fielding in particular. Um, I, I think the last time we talked, you were still sort of assessing the damage from the, from the last time round. Is there any more news on that? Uh, the, the team are looking at that because you're, you're right. We had residents who are still cleaning up the damage from the December flooding and uh, we're expecting a full report to come to council. What we've asked for is is around the whole stormwater, how we manage that, what needs to be done and uh, what are the solutions and more importantly the cost and how do we make that happen. So uh, it's quite complex and uh, so we're expecting that report to council probably next month. And we'll, I'm assuming a component of that will be to do with culvert maintenance because one of the uh, observations from the, the last round of flooding was a, a few uh, poorly maintained culverts that didn't operate as well as they could have done. Oh, absolutely. And we had a few uh, anxious residents phone in last, uh, last Friday phoned me saying, you know, we've got uh, rain predicted and uh, what can we do? So our team were out there and onto it straight away. The, the thing is is working out who, checking all of the facts around who is responsible for these drains and culverts because it's a mixture of privately owned uh, Manawatu District Council and the Regional Council. So it's a matter of um, understanding who's responsible and then making sure that they are maintained and cleaned um, as they need to be. So uh, that's all part of the report that we've asked to come to Council. Fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, a fortnight ago if that was before or after the move to the red traffic light. Let's assume it was uh, before, so this is new information for this interview. Uh, The move to the red traffic light setting uh, as part of the COVID protection framework, has that got many implications for, well, yourself and also MDC in its ability to operate? 
Well, the key thing for us was putting a plan in place so that we could provide all of the services that we provide to the community and also be able to keep decision-making going. So what we've done here is divide every department into two teams, including the elected members. So we have two teams operating a week about in the building, and uh, so on the basis that if anyone goes down with it, then we've only got half of the people in that activity or department that would have to isolate. So um, we have a plan in place. It's being reviewed regularly. We're getting good feedback from our staff, the opportunities there for them to feed into it. And uh, our team's flexible enough to, as we need to, and as we get new direction from the government to change that. I guess, you know, um, I'm not sure whether it's good or bad that that the the cases around the country haven't increased as much as they said they would. Uh, So does that mean that it's not going to, or is it still coming, I guess, is the question. Mm. I think think, uh, most people are erring on the side of, oh, it's coming, it's maybe just taking a little longer. Um, I think a lot of people will be concerned about some of the more forward-facing facilities of MDC, for example, the Makino Pool, the library. Uh, How are those operating under the red traffic light? Because some people rely on those quite heavily. They do, and uh, yeah, we've had to take the guidance from central government and both the pool and the library are not accessible for our non-vaccinated people in our community. The library has online services, so you can access all of their services online. Uh, The pool, no. Um, You know, obviously you can't wear a mask when you're swimming and it's hard to keep the distancing as well. So we've had to do that to um, keep both our staff and some of our vulnerable people, particularly who use the pool and our elderly who use the pool to keep them as safe. So it's it's about following the instructions. And yes, there are a few people in the community who don't support uh, what we've done with that. But at the end of the day, we have to take the advice from the government and uh, follow the guidance and do what, what we think is best to try and keep everybody safe. Indeed. Uh, Let's move on, uh, Helen, and look at some of the the key projects uh, that MDC are are currently undertaking, giving us a bit of an update on some of those. Uh, Yes, we had our first council meeting for the year last week, and it was pretty light on the agenda, so we used the opportunity for each of our general managers to go through and update us on the key projects and where they're at and we were able to ask a lot of questions. So uh, that was great. So just just on some of the key things, there's uh, some new work going on uh, extending the cycleways around building, around the town. Uh, The focus on this work is to make access to our schools safer, obviously encouraging young people to bike or walk to school. And uh, so you'll see some work going around, particularly around the Fielding High School at the moment. There's cones everywhere. Uh, so that's that one. Our Resource Recovery Centre, which you recall we opened the new one at the end of last year. There's some final work being done on the new Weybridge, and then that uh, operation is then complete. We've had really good feedback from people as they take their recycling and rubbish down there. And... Uh, The the other good news is that Turner's Road, we've talked for some time about the need to extend Turner's Road round to Kawaka Road to open up that land for more industrial development. And um, I'm pleased to report that we now have all the land that we require for that road extension. And uh, so we're into, it's going to be done in three stages. 
and the first stage is to move some power poles that um, just our lips sit right in the way of the new road. So there's some work that needs to be done there. But um, really pleased to see this one finally happening because uh, the demand for more industrial land for businesses to, to locate building has been uh, is increasing and we've got some businesses already waiting for that uh, area to be open and ready to go. Marvellous. I mean, it's good good to hear the, that that industrial expansion is uh, alive and kicking in fielding. It's always a bit, well, it, from my experience, which is limited, uh, it appears to be always a trial uh, to acquire land um, for a council to conduct activities. Was it difficult to get the land to, exp- uh, to extend Turner's Road or were the, the landowners uh, on side with why it needed to happen? Um, yes, it was private land, and in this particular area there was, um, I think it was nine or ten landowners, so we had to negotiate with each of those. Um, unfortunately, one of the landowners um, who lived in the middle passed away, so um, we had to allow the family the time to go through, um, tidying that up, and then negotiating with them to, for that final piece of land, which now will connect us right through from one end to the other. So with the uh, the expansion and the businesses that are ready to go, is this going to result in more jobs for people in fielding? Is this all part of the grand plan to, to, to make fielding bigger and better? Absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, as we've talked about in the past, we've been opening up more land for residential to build new homes. And, of course, the key thing, it's all very well having a place to live, but you also need the opportunity for more jobs. So, yes, this is in part response to uh, having more land available for more business development. And just on that, Council has um, continuing to work on selling the land along Kawaka Road, South Street, that's um, been on the market for some time, and we've had some really good response to that. So I think it's really exciting for in the next, you know, in the coming year or two, we're going to see some exciting new businesses and new development popping up and new jobs. Now, you also mentioned the the new resource recovery centre. I have taken my recycling there on two occasions and found it a very enjoyable experience. Well done. Uh, I guess the next question is, what happens to the old site? Uh, The old site we were simply leasing, so that um, the landlord, um, my understanding is he's already leased it on to somebody else to do something else with, so... uh, so our lease had expired there and uh, so it was timely for us to move and given that we've got the resource recovery park, our vision is to um, concentrate all of that uh, environmentally recycling uh, down there with the, based around the wastewater treatment plant. Because residents are able to drop off their blue waste bags at these sites, is the landfill somewhere else? Uh, at the moment, yes, we're still using the Bonnie Glen um, landfill. So, um, but this is the point, as it was before, uh, where you take your uh, recycling and rubbish, and then uh, we have, we're in partnership with Smart Environmental, who run that contract, and then they manage the disposal of the relevant pieces to landfill. But of course, our objective is to minimise as much as possible how much we need to send to landfill and. There's some, there's, there's some exciting, innovative, environmentally friendly ideas on the table that are just being played with at the moment and working with um, partners about how can we add to what we're already offering.
And are we seeing? I mean, is this uh, move to the new facility uh, the, the next step in a, a, an observable trend? Are we seeing the sort of the ratio of recycling to to general waste going to landfill going the right way? Um, yes, a lot of this is about education as well. So we will be looking at that um, again. I think it comes up later this year. Come back on the council table about. What, what initiatives can we do? You know, will it be about going out and offering recycling bins to, into our villages? We, we did suggest that last time round we reviewed it. The answer was no. Um, but it's all about educating people about how to think about, to, to stop and think about what they put out as rubbish. Uh, we've also got um, interest from the community in setting up a uh, recycling area for the community as they do in other places where as pieces come in, they can they can see that if it had a bit of upgrade, a bit of um, what's the, the fancy word for all that, isn't there? And they, they um, upcycle the word and um, then on sale the um, object or the product and that money goes back into the community. So that's another project that we're looking at. How is it going? I mean, rural communities, uh, the, 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 there are stereotypes around farming communities in particular whose uh, waste management program often involves burning noxious plastics and, and digging a big hole to put all the rubbish in. Is the education getting out into those communities as well? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, that's traditionally how farmers have um, disposed of rubbish on their farm. I think it's it's about education, but it's also about being cost effective. And as time goes on, there are, with new technology and new processes, I think it is getting better. And with education, um, and it's got to be easy. And, you know, if you're a farmer in the middle of winter um, in your mud and your gumboots with all your bale wrap, um, you know, what do you do with it? It has to be simple, a very simple way, an easier way to get rid of it. And yes, we want to discourage as much much dumping or burying or even burning as possible. So that's the ultimate goal. Very good. We are here with Mayor Helen Warboys on The Catch-Up on Manawatu People's Radio. If you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of The Catch-Up series, just head to the website, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your online listening. Um, Mayor Helen, we've been talking most of this year and some of last around Three Waters. Uh, you are a very uh, vocal opponent to to the government's current plan to handle three waters, although to be clear, not an opponent to the the need for improvement. Um, what is the latest? Because the last we heard, you were headed down to Wellington. Uh, that's right. Yes, we were invited to present our case for communities for local democracy to the government's ministerial working party, and we did that. Uh, we presented our case uh, from a political point of view, from the community's point of view, that we didn't didn't support the government's mandated reform model. Um, and the, the key thing was, while, yes, we agree that we do need improvements in the three-water space, we believe that um, there are ways to manage this better than the model the government is proposing without taking those assets off the people who own them. Now, our, our case was supported by an evidence-based report that we commissioned by Castalia, and they went through that in some detail with the alternatives that we've been looking at. 
and uh, and also the government's model, going through that and just pointing out where we believe that it's flawed, and where and some ideas for them to consider um, as alternatives. So. All of that information is now up on our public website, so Communities for Local Democracy, the four is the number four, and uh, so if you go to that website, right on the home page is a link to the information, so that tells you all about who we are, why, why, what we stand for, and then there is that evidence-based report there, so you can go into that in a lot more detail to understand it. The key thing we said to the government's working party is you know, we'd only been in existence as a group, a collective of councils for nine weeks when we went to them. So it's very much a framework. Um, the, the detail, you know, we will spend some time on detail if we need to, but we were just trying to put on the table that there are smarter ways to do this. And, um, and I have to say that the, the working party is listening. The feedback that we've had is that they are open to looking at alternatives and they are open to other ways of doing things smarter. And, and the other thing that's come out of this is, um, is that today we've had two more councils join us. We've had uh, Queenstown Lakes District and we've had Mulder District Council join us. And I know of three other councils this week who are debating and making a decision on whether to join us. So the campaign is certainly growing. And, and I expect us to have well over half of the councils around the country on board with us. So that is a significant population base um, that the government just can't ignore. And it's and it's interesting to hear that uh, when you've made your presentation, uh, they were open to hearing about it because the the, sort of the narrative up to this point was that Nanaia Mahuta was just going to bulldozer this through regardless without uh, any consultation but it, it, it seems that the tide is turning, pun, pun intended uh, well, well the Minister did set up this working party and their terms of reference were quite tight uh, they were really to tweak the government's model but since then the, the working party themselves have been open to presentations not just from us but from a number of groups have presented to them putting their case and I you know, I think this is wise. The government is saying, OK, we're open to listening to other ideas. And now this working party has to prepare a report. And that goes back to government. We understand the first week in March. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding about how much effect we've had as to what the government does next. Do they go into the first reading, bill reading, um, you know, or are they going to say, look, yes, we need to revisit this in a few areas? And... You know, we just want to be constructive and help the government find the right models, the, the right um, sustainable funding methods uh, for three waters. And, you know, and the other one is stormwater. That's something that we haven't heard the government talk about it. They say it's three waters, but as we know, and the floods have just, just shown us in the rain, etc., that stormwater is a very complex issue and it wouldn't surprise me if the government comes out and goes, uh, let's just park stormwater and we'll deal with that later. Which uh, would be a bit of a blow for their plan, really. As you say, they've been touting this is a solution for three waters. Um, when we spoke last, it was the day before you were going to give the presentation. That sounds like it's gone very well. Um, you had also said that you were going back this month, um, potentially to present to individual parties. Is that still going to happen? 
Yes, correct. Next week we are going back to meet again with ACT, Green and National Parties. Uh, and so that is again to present our case because, as you recall, last year was just introducing ourselves, explaining who we are and why we existed and what our purpose was. Now we're able to go back to them with a bit more detail. They will have read all of our detailed information in our case um, with the information that's available publicly now. So it'll be really to um, to just point out the key points and then take some questions and have some open discussion with them. The, the Minister is not available. We understand she'll be overseas. And so we've made a time to meet with her at the beginning of March. Very good. So making sure getting round uh, all the necessary uh, people. Um, do you find any of the is, is any of the smacking of sort of token effort, or is there a genuine uh, desire to listen to what you have to say? I think there is a genuine desire, and the three parties that we've spoken to, Act National and the Greens, have all said that if they uh, were in government, they would repeal what the government's proposing. And so that's really heartening. So the more we can strengthen that, uh, the better. And if and if those parties then work together on this, uh, that it's a pretty it's a pretty strong case. And uh, and the current government is going to have to think long and hard, given that it's the general election next year. Um, you know, the the time we've we've got our community on board and got the public really understanding what this is all about because. The recent poll that came out, there's still something like 30 or 40% of people don't really understand what this debate is all about. So our next step is, is to get out to our community and explain to it in plain, simple language what the impact of what the government proposing means and what we're proposing as alternatives. So um, there's a lot of work still to be done yet, and also the next step will be seeing what the government does, they've heard our case, they've received the information and what will they do? Will they plough on and go into setting up this legislation or will they um, accept that maybe we need to pause and uh, have a bit more discussion? Very good. Um, I find the name Communities for Local Democracy an interesting one and wonder if this organisation will uh, cease activities once this issue is put to bed or do you see there is room for this organisation to continue into the future? Uh, Well, it's interesting you say that when we were playing around with the name, that was one of the things we talked about and um, we decided that, yes, we would be limiting ourselves if we had something that was just three waters. Uh, so Communities for Local Democracy is our brand, and then we can have a byline that sits underneath that. But um, that was just big picture thinking. We've no idea what that might eventuate into. We're really focused on using this um, as uh, for the three waters. And, of course, our, our key thing the whole message that we're saying to government is about retaining local democracy, keeping the the voice and the accountability and the assets with the community who own them. So uh, so the name has a number of, there's a whole lot of reasons around it. Um, but yes, it has potential to expand if needed. And is that uh, going to tread on the toes of local government New Zealand who in my very limited knowledge, struck me as the organisation that did a lot of what you've just described. Um, 
local government New Zealand are well aware of what we're doing. We've updated them. Um, and as you know, when this all first came out and it was made publicly known that local government New Zealand had signed an agreement um, saying that they wouldn't oppose the government's model, which was exactly why our group's been set up, because there was nobody out there speaking for our community. Local government New Zealand couldn't do it. They'd signed that they wouldn't do it. And uh, so they were aware that maybe that was an error. In hindsight, they wouldn't do that again. Um, but it's about, um, you know, we're all, we've had one council, Timaru, who uh, cancelled their subscription with local government New Zealand. But the rest of us at this stage have said, look, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue with LGNZ. They do a lot of good work. They do a lot of training, um, webinars, etc., on a whole range of topics. So... Um, and, and in this one, you know, they just simply got that bit wrong. And uh, so it's not anything against them. It's about saying, well, if they can't speak for us, somebody has to. And we're doing that on behalf of our community. Marvellous. Mayor Helen Warboys uh, of Manawatu District Council, thank you for joining us on the catch-up this morning. You're welcome, Fraser. And uh, we'll catch up in a fortnight's time and find out how the presentations went with the Act Green and National Party uh, down in Wellington next week. Uh, There we go. Mayor Helen Warboys uh, on the phone for the catch-up this morning. Tomorrow we'll hopefully catch up with MP for Palmerston North, Tangi Utakeri on the catch-up, half past eight as always. Uh, And on Monday we'll have Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotions. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up and join us at half past eight tomorrow morning for another edition. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.